it's the next level. <laughs> okay, if you haven't already, I just want to suggest really quickly, check out on Netflix, The Cabinet of Curiosities. It's the new series from Guillermo del Toro. Um, myself, personally, I'm three episodes in. The first one was uh, an episode called Lot 36. Really good. And definitely a nice starting episode to pull you in. The second one was called Graveyard Rats. It was not bad. I enjoyed it, actually. It was a lot of fun. It was the third one, though, that blew my mind. It was awesome. Uh, An episode called The Autopsy, an hour-long episode where F. Murray Abraham is acting his chops off. He's a medical examiner. He's doing an autopsy. That's about as far as I'm going to go with the story. It's a story by David S. Goyer as well, so if that name means anything to you, yeah, you might want to check it out. Delicious hour of storytelling. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's it's really, really good. I won't say anything else because I'm not even done the series yet. I've still got seven episodes to go, so I really can't comment completely on it, but I will say that episode three, not for the squeamish, so if if you're one of those that pukes and faints and, you know, should not be going to see Terrifier 2, just be warned, there's some scenes. This is not on the level of Terrifier 2 or the sadness or any of those really extreme ones, but there's some stuff <laughs> that might bother you, I'm just going to say. Myself, personally, I stopped after that one because I wanted to let that one soak in. Um, it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. So... After, obviously, you know, it's Halloween weekend, right? All over the place. So I haven't gotten back to it yet. Figured I'd let that one marinate anyways for a bit. But I will definitely be returning to it, and I wanted to suggest it to all of you. Now, on with the show. From the Next Level Network of Podcasts and Studio Zero, always remember, kids, everyone is entitled to one good scare. Welcome back, everyone, to What Lurks Lurks Behind Behind Podcast Podcast Zero. And I am your host, Postmortem Paul, wishing you all a happy Halloween. Happy All Hallows' Eve. Happy Samhain. Not Samhain. Samhain. Samhain is an artist. Samhain's, actually, is an artist on Bandcamp. Does some really awesome music. Check him out. Seriously, dude's got some great tunes. I've actually, way back when, I think it was, um, I remember talking to him once and he had said, like, I could use a bit of the music on my episodes. There's, you know, I have used a bit of it in the background, so you might have noticed. Probably not, but whatever. Um, Does anyone pay attention to my show? Actually, some of you do, which is really cool. Thank you. Anyways, Gateway to Halloween event. This is the fifth and final episode Yeah, final episode. (laughs) I left this one for last. It's no surprise, obviously, if you've seen from the artwork and social media blurbs and whatnot, you know what movie I talked about this week. One I thought I would never do, honestly, but at the same time, it almost made sense to. Like, here's the thing. Like, I have a lot of friends that love this movie. A lot of people on the internet love this movie. It's got, like, a cult following. And the thing is, is that I, I have to admit, as much as I've poked fun at, at this movie on the show many times before, 
I had never actually sat through it. Like, I'd always seen clips here, clips there. I watched Cinema Sins tear the movie apart. Like, I knew what the story was about. I knew what the movie was about and everything. But it was like, I'd never actually sat down and watched it. So I was like, you know what? Let's do something special for this year. Every year on Halloween, it it seems I always do, like, one of my favorite movies. It's like, why not try to flip the role? Let's do a movie I'm not too keen on and see what I think of it. So this week, we're going to find out where I stand on this one. From 1993, it's a Disney film that is a lot darker than some might think. <laughs> it kind of surprised me, actually. I was like, really? This movie's pretty dark. Um, episode 134. We get on our broomsticks and go a-casting some spells. With uh, the Sanderson sisters. Yeah, I'm doing it. Hocus pocus. Ooh, it's going to be interesting. Anyways, but first. So, I'm doing something a little different this week. I want to do something special. It's Halloween. I mean, I, I'm in a great mood. It's a Halloween. It, even though, like, I'm that guy that lives Halloween, like, you know, 365 a year, 364, or whatever. How many days are in a year? I don't know. <laughs> Half the time, I don't even remember what week I'm in. But the thing is, is that it's still nice to have a day that I can be like, hey, I can actually be myself, and it's probably the one day of the year that no one's calling me abnormal. So, alright, I'll take it. <laughs> it's nice for once. But, um, yeah, so Halloween. Wanted to do something different. I, I, every episode I always start off with mini-reviews, or I talk about the news, or, you know, stuff like that, or, you know, different things I saw on social media, or whatever. This week I thought, you know what? I'm doing it a little bit different. This, seg- this is actually going to be its own little segment this week. Um, we're going to call it the Lurker's Recommendations. But not just any recommendations. See, the thing is, is okay. Over the past year, especially, I have noticed that my show has... I, I've talked about this several times, especially recently. How much love this show seems to be getting, or at least more attention. I should say attention. I don't know. Maybe you guys, you know, are listening to this episode or any episode and tearing it apart. I don't know. Maybe I'm the butt end of your version of Cinema Sins. I don't know. But the thing is, is that it has gained traction. And I do know of some of the supporters. So I thought, you know what? I want to do something a little bit differently. There are other content creators i hate that term but anyways there are other content creators that do support my show that you may not know about and i was like you know what i kind of want to give nods to a few of them because they do some good stuff or they're they're intriguing they're engaging whatever and it's like give them some love because they give me some love you know what i mean so there's basically i got got about six or seven here that i want to kind of just give quick nods to and then we'll move into our review of the week. But ah, uh, who to start with? I have, you know, like I said, I think I got about six here. We'll start with, okay, so this is a guy who's been a follower of the show for some time now. And I, I probably of the names listed here that I'm giving nods to is probably the one that I know the least amount. But that doesn't mean that. His content is any lesser or anything like that. Like, we just 
we know each other through Instagram. We know, and, and I think actually Instagram is probably where we've, you know, given nods to each other the most. He has a YouTube channel. Um, on YouTube, it's the account is. I hope I'm saying this right, by the way. So if he listens to this and I've said it wrong, please correct me. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not one of those arrogant pricks that can't be corrected. Please do. Uh, I'm gonna say it's Zaku two eight two on YouTube. Um, in the website, if you go like youtube.com slash Mr. Zaku. 1982. He's also on Instagram as Zaku1982. Anyways, his name's PJ. Really cool dude. Um, like I said, I've been a follower of the show for some time. He's very supportive. Uh, as a matter of fact, even in his Instagram stories, several times he's given a nod to my show, which thank you so much for that. I really do appreciate it. Anyways, he's got a YouTube channel, and I the one day I was on Instagram, I saw he had it linked. I was like, hmm, click on this. Let's see where this goes. And he does a lot of, like, video game stuff. And I know, okay, like, the last time I checked, I know he hasn't really updated a whole lot lately, but there's a lot of videos there that you can go back and watch. A lot of stuff with, like, Resident Evil. I think I saw Persona 5 on there. That's kind of gamey, like, Jedi Fallen Order and stuff like that. He does a lot of that stuff. Now, that's not... For me personally, I'm not. I, I have a really hard time watching people play video games, and it's no offense to them. I mean, it's great content that they do. It's just I'm one of those guys. I got to be playing it. I don't mind. Sometimes I'll watch a, a video game online, like to sort of get an idea for the game. But I won't watch it long. It'll be like ten minutes, and then I'm like, okay, either I like it or I don't. I'm gonna either play it or I won't. Um, so it's not really my kind of thing, but. The thing is, is he's been very supportive of me and I wanted to do the same back for him and it can never hurt to pass on love to, you know, another creator and whatnot. So PJ, that's for you, man. Like seriously, I, if you, you know, if you hear this, I hope it helps. You know what I mean? Like it, it's always good to stick by each other and stuff like that. Next up, TJ, the drummer, which yes, I've mentioned him before. He's actually even requested episodes on this show and whatnot. He is a good friend of mine, uh, but he's always given me a lot of support for the show and whatnot. Um, by the way, if you're looking for him on YouTube, this is about his YouTube channel. It's TJ underscore the underscore drummer. There's underscores in between the words and whatnot. Because there's actually two TJ the drummers on YouTube, but one does not use underscores. <laughs> so I was like, I make note of that. Anyways, he's always a great dude. I wanted to give love to his YouTube channel, you know, in case anyone wants to check out some videos on drumming. Um, that being said, he hasn't done a drumming video, I think, in like eight to ten years or something like that. It's been a while. But on there now, he does these pro wrestling crate, like, loot box unboxings. And it's really cool, actually. Like, I always like watching them because I might not watch wrestling that much now, but when I was a kid, I watched it a lot, and I always love when he's doing the unboxing, and there'll be, like, retro stuff in there. Stuff from, like, the WWF, back before they changed it to WWE and stuff like that. And so I always like watching them. I, it, it probably not something that I would really invest my money into, just because, like I said, I'm not really the biggest wrestling fan now. But I do love watching those just to see what kind of like you know gems he gets in these loot boxes and whatnot. So if wrestling is something that you're into, I thought I would mention it. So you know maybe give his YouTube channel you know a whirl around. You know go check it out. Um. Now, actually, let's, okay, this is a horror show, so let's talk horror-related. 
and review related. This is interesting. I'm going to tell you about this, and I have mentioned this on the show before, but I want to sort of focus on it a little bit. Uh, let me introduce you to Green Ridge Horror, uh, a very good friend of mine, uh, Tristan, <laughs> and members of his family, actually, uh, primarily his brother, Tori. Every year around Halloween, they have to at least upload one video, whether it be a movie review or they have this series of videos. They're called uh, the Tory Dies videos. Basically, they're short films, run ref- roughly between maybe five to ten minutes long. They're, they're cute little videos and whatnot. Anyways, um, they're short films in which Tristan's brother, Tori, will die in some kind of a way tied to another movie property. Now, I won't spoil this year's video because, honestly, it's a good one and you need to go watch it. And I do like that it within the title, it's basically Tori Dies In? question mark. Now, if you really know your horror-related properties, you might figure it out before you even press play. All I will say is the font. But if you don't know the font, press play and have a, have a laugh because they're good videos. They're kind of humorous, but at the same time, there is nice tension. Like, I, I got to give these guys credit. They do know how to put tension in their videos. Um, but, I mean, in past videos, Tori has died um, at the hands of, like, Michael Myers, Ghostface, Jason Voorhees. Like, they, they do that. So, to be like, there's one video on there. It's called Tori Dies in Halloween. And it's some sort of spin on Halloween, but at the same time, they do their own original thing, and somehow or another, Tori dies. <laughs> and sort of, it, I think it's probably sort of a nod to John dies at the end as well, but I mean, it, it's just funny, like, they, they've done Halloween, Scream, Friday the 13th, there, there's other ones, I know, I, I don't want to spoil all of it, please go have a look. There's also the other side of Green Ridge Horror. The part that probably I relate to a little bit more is the movie reviews with Uncle Newton. And Uncle Newton is actually the character that Tristan is playing. Much like how I do the postmortem Paul thing, well, he does Uncle Newton. It's actually really entertaining. They're short little film reviews. Most of the time, I think they're like five, six minutes tops. Um, The difference, Tristan isn't like me. He's not boring. Um, (laughs) But no, seriously, uh, quick to the point um and he does this great little character of uncle newton and it's they're really well edited videos um what i love about his reviews okay here's the thing about it his love and appreciation for the movies and yes he'll do the odd mainstream film like you've got the thing ghostbusters halloween stuff like that but then i like that he digs deep into the well as like also and goes back to like the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And he, he's done reviews for like White Zombie, uh, Nosferatu from 1922, I Drink Your Blood, um, Black Friday from 1940. There are a whole bunch of them. Like, I think, if I remember correctly, and I could be off, um, I think he's got something like like 20 to 25 to 30 reviews on there or whatnot. And they're all really well done. Like, and they're, they're fun. They're, they're cute and whatnot. Like not cute in a like, you know, chibi kind of way, but like he, he puts a nice positive spin on horror while making it fun. And it's like, I wanted to mention it. So green Ridge horror, um, YouTube channel and on Instagram, I want to say, I believe, um, but yes, definitely check out the YouTube uh, channel, and they're on Facebook. As a matter of fact, I think both TJ the Drummer and Green Ridge Horror are on Facebook. I know Green Ridge Horror is. I 
not 100% sure if TJ the drummer is. Anyways, needless to say, there's some great video content. Now I'm going to quickly jump into the world of audio. That's the world I play in. I need to give a shout out to my network buddies. Uh, in particular, Pat, Mark, and Ben. Because this network has been really good to me. I've been allowed to... I've had like creative freedom and creative growth. Like You guys know, like if you go back and listen to some of those older episodes, I was a lot more opinionated, a little bit more angrier... Uh, said things that I probably wouldn't say today. And I've never had anyone saying to me, you can't say that. Like, they've sort of let me grow within the show. And a lot of that is Ben. I will talk about him in a minute. I want to give a shout-out to the other two guys first. Uh, Pat, for sure, host of The Melting Pat. And how to explain that show, in the way my mind works, I've always kind of thought of The Melting Pat as being like a Seinfeld of podcasts. And... It's basically because I think of it as like it's a show about just anything, really. Um, The difference between Seinfeld and this is that Pat is a lot more entertaining than Jerry. So let's not confuse that fact ever because Jerry Seinfeld, you're not that entertaining. Your show is great because everybody else um, in terms of Pat's show, Pat is the show. And I mean, he talks about everything from wrestling, movies, uh, sometimes food, baseball, music. He always features like unknown musical artists and stuff. It's a really cool show. Uh, there's been even a couple times that you know he'll post like questions online and stuff. And I've even, as it's been pointed out, I'm a little wordy at times. No, really, but even I've commented a few times on you know different questions he's had for the show and whatnot. It's a great show. It's a little show, but I mean it's great. And he's been doing it for a while. God, what did I? Eight years, I think, or something like that. I just talked about it not too long ago when I, you know, gave him a shout out. So, yeah, definitely one that it's a weekly show, by the way. And he very rare does Pat miss a week. He's not like me, where it's like all of a sudden for four weeks, you're like, where did he go? Why is it quiet? Why do I see tumbleweeds? No, Pat is weekly, and he's, I want to say, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, he has posted an episode from week to week. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, then there's Mark. Mark is the host of a few shows, actually, and he does a lot of guest appearances and whatnot. This dude is busy with podcasts, but he has uh, Panels to Pixels with co-host Steve. Um, that is part of the network. And then he also has Adrenaline Cinema podcast. Panels to Pixels is exactly what it sounds like. Think about it for a minute. It's a show highlighting comic book shows and films, you know panels of you know comic books to pixels what's on our screen right so i mean how much more obvious do you need it but (laughs) hey man i get it like we live in this new millennia where it's like people you know if you do not dial in exactly what you mean people are like i can't figure it out uh anyways mark and steve they review a lot of like the marvel tv shows basically by episode which is really cool so Let's say you watched, I don't know, let's say you watched episode four of She-Hulk and maybe you walked away from it and you didn't 
get it or you, you wanted to know what other people thought of, they have an episode focused specifically on that episode. Um, and I just threw She-Hulk out there because I haven't watched it. I don't even know. <laughs> but yeah, like they do that with a lot of different series and whatnot. Sandman was another one. And um, well, pre- like I said, pretty much anything that, you know, the Marvel TV shows, the DC TV shows and whatnot, the films um, and some of the lesser known stuff as well. Every now and then I'll see them you know, throw something out there. I'm like, Ooh, Hey, cool. You know? And so a lot of good comes from that one. And then there's the adrenaline cinema podcast show that focuses primarily on the world of action films and suspense films like this, like my show does horror and thriller and science fiction. Well, they do a lot of like the action and suspense films. Uh, recently they did what speed and predator. Those were two. I remember they did just recently. And like I said, Mark also keeps busy podcasting on many other shows as a guest and whatnot. I know I've seen him attached to like House Podcastica and stuff like that. So, I mean, he does a lot for the audio world. And one thing that I do want to note just quickly, if if anything, if there's an episode you go to that you want to listen to and you want to check out, you got to listen to his 200th episode because he had an exclusive interview with Kevin Smith himself. And, I mean, I think there's even video of, uh, of it as well on Facebook and possibly YouTube. Um, first off, kudos. Because he got, like, a huge name. Like, Kevin Smith is a big name in any form of media. And Mark got him on his 200th show. So that was awesome. And kudos for that. And kudos for getting to episode 200 and still going strong. I'm at 134. Do I got another 66 episodes in me? I hope. <laughs> but, I mean, that's awesome. Like, so kudos for the 200th. But, yeah. and I mean, and still past that. Like, I I want to say they, they've already passed 210. I could be wrong on that. But I, I know, like, he, he's just, they continue going. So awesome. Um, lastly, giving a shout out to Ben Beck. Now, Ben is a really good friend of mine. He's a moderator at several conventions in the U.S. as well, Uh, something that I know I couldn't do, so kudos to him for doing it because I can talk on this show because I'm behind a microphone, I'm behind a screen that you guys can't see me. Standing up in front of 500 people with a celebrity standing next to me, yeah, that would not happen, and kudos to him for being able to do it. He's also a host of several different shows, but primarily right now it's Wilhelm, which is his sort of his baby right now it's it's the show he's focused pretty hard on like i mean he's first off we've been friends for several years i've known him since jesus early arrow days like i mean <laughs> because it was through an arrow group on facebook that we met and whatnot um and i mean he's been running this network for quite a few years now i mean back in what 2017 late late 2017 he knew i wanted to do a horror podcast And, you know, he came to me about, well, why don't you join my network? And since then, like I said, like, this is the network that I've been able to grow, like, being a part of and whatnot, and just figure things out on my own. And so if it's not for Ben, like, Podcast Zero doesn't happen. It's not a thing, right? But he's had, Ben has done so many shows, DC Primetimes, Showcast Spotlight. We have to go back, The Lost Revisited, one that he had. Uh, But like I said, his current project is Wilhelm, and I am going to mention they have a new episode that also is dropping Halloween. It's dropping today. Uh, Top five horror remakes. Definitely check it out. 
I mean, I know I am because I got to know, like, I knew about this a couple, like about a week ago, he had kind of dropped a hint on me about that he was doing this top five horror remix uh, episode. And I'm kind of that guy. I think I'm, I think me and him, we sort of share this like common thought process that not all horror remakes are bad. (laughs) I mean, yes, I know there's the whole, oh my God, they're making another fucking movie, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and people tend to get very angry and, you know, vulgar online over remakes and sequels and stuff like that. But they're not all bad. There are some really, really solid ones out there. For me, there's the holy trinity of the thing, the blob, and the fly. I mean, (laughs) those are like my holy trinity of like remakes. I mean, and that's not even including like Night of the Living Dead from 1990. Um, Jeez, of course I'm striking blanks now that I start talking about it. But I mean, there's a there's a lot of good Dawn of the Dead, the Zack Snyder film. Whether you like Zack Snyder or not, that that remake is really good. Um, so anyways, yeah, check out the new Wilhelm episode, check out Wilhelm period. You should be subscribed to it. He's got great interviews on there too. Like he recently had, uh, what William Sadler was on the show, Dana DeLorenzo from Ash versus evil dead. He's interviewed her. Like he's had some great horror related interviews, let alone, I mean, Ben is more, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like he's more open to other genres. Uh, for me personally, this show focuses mainly on horror and sci-fi, but with Ben, he's like all over the spectrum. He's had comedy, he's had drama actors and horror actors and all. And he's all over the place, which is really cool. You know, it's, it's nice to have that variety, right? So anyways, that's that. The podcast network shows can all be found on Facebook and Instagram as well as same audio platforms you listen to this show anyways yeah so pj tj <laughs> tristan and tori uh pat mark ben all of you guys all deserve a lot of credit and respect and love from me so that's my gift to you guys this week i did something different it's halloween and i want to share with people because now is the time that the pain begins This is where it starts to hurt, and I can feel my dead soul cringing. Trailer time out. And when we return, we're flying off to Salem. Or a soundstage. (laughs) We're going to hang out with some witches. Actually, we're going to hang some witches. And we're going to have them come back from the grave and sing a really bad rendition of I Put a Spell on You. You know how much I like that song? And then I saw this. Okay, kids, we'll be back in a Hocus Pocus splat. Jump back. Twist the bones and bend the back. Back in 1693, the people of Salem, Massachusetts... Witches! Yes? ...thought they got rid of the Sanderson sisters for good. Uh, We shall be back! (laughs) 300 years later, it's Halloween Eve, and they're back. Uh We are home! Are you boys a little old to be (laughs) trick-or-treating? Talking about three ancient hags versus the 20th century. How bad can it be? Now they're digging up old friends. We got 
and running amok. Looking for the one thing they miss most. You stay for supper. I'm not hungry. But we are. Only one boy has the power to stop them. Prepare to die again. You have no power to hear you. Before all Salem falls under their spell. Disney Pictures presents Bette Midler. Uh, hello. Sarah Jessica Parker. Would thou dance with me? And Kathy Najimi. Hocus Pocus. Into the night! They love to fly. And it shows. Good night. Sleep tight. No screaming. <laughs> okay, kids. It's time to dive into... I want to say what would have been the hardest episode for me ever to record, but no, that was Blair Witch Project. Actually, no, it, here's the thing. The episodes are not hard to record. I shouldn't say that. Sometimes watching the movies in preparation for, that's the struggle. Blair Witch Project, I mean, great marketing, amazing. And then the movie was such a letdown. With this movie, here's the thing. I've had so many people tell me how much they love this movie. Every time I saw trailers or clips of it, I just kept thinking to myself, God, it looks hokey. But then again, this is coming from a guy who, like, I grew up with, like, you know, Masters of the Universe in 1987, was that? I mean, that's not a good movie, but we love it because of how bad it is. Maybe that's what it is with this movie. Maybe people love it because of how bad it is. I don't know. I mean, I do now. I'm about to relay to you what I have learned about this hour and a half piece of artwork, I guess we'll call it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, some great names attached to it, so I should love it. Let's stop burying the lead and just dump into Hocus Pocus. Disney movie. I know, I've already done one Disney movie. This is the second Hocus Pocus was released July 16th, 1993 in North America. And then in October at several different dates in like Ireland, Brazil, Spain, and the UK and whatnot. But in terms of North American release, July 16th, 1993, it was released in the summer because they wanted to allow that a lot of families and kids could go see the movie. And they were afraid that if they released it in October... That it was possible that, you know, school and work and everything would get in the way. So they released it in the summer as a summertime flick, hoping that it would, you know, bring people in and whatnot. The movie is directed by Kenny Ortega, who he did a lot of music videos in the 80s for artists like Supertramp, The Tubes. Uh, the song actually by The Tubes was She's a Beauty. You're like, why is this relevant? Because I used to own the 45. Okay. <laughs> That's the only reason why I know. I'm like, I used to have that. Anyways, um, I don't think I still have it. He also did videos for the Pointer Sisters and Billy Squire. Um, but in terms of his film career, a lot of Disney work. He worked on all the high school musical films and all the Descendants films. Those are all Disney properties and whatnot. So basically the first one and their following sequels. 
And then he worked on the documentary This Is It. It was the uh, documentary on Michael Jackson. Worked on that. And then he also directed the 2016 TV production of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Let's Do the Time Warp Again. Yeah, no. Original for me only. Sorry, guys. Just the way I am. Um, (laughs) Moving on to... The story was written by David Kirshner and Mick Garris. The screenplay was done by Mick Garris and Neil Cuthbert. And David and Mick were both... The, they were also the producers for the film. So I've just hit the writers and the screenplay writers and the producers all in this little shot. Now, here's the thing. So David, um, David is currently an executive producer for the Chucky TV series, which is an awesome series, by the way. And he's also been attached to all of the Child's Play movies and the Chucky movies since the very first one in 1988. As for the Child's Play remake... Don't think he was attached to that. I think he's been primarily the Mancini Chucky. I don't think he did the remake. Uh, he also worked on films like The Flintstones in 1994 with John Goodman. That's the only reason to watch that movie is because of John Goodman. In my opinion. My opinion. Okay. Titan AE. Uh, Frailty. And he's attached to a lot of the curious George uh, straight to DVD straight to video releases the TV movies you've got another curious George movie coming out I think this one's going theatrical actually and he's attached to that as well so David really I, I one thing I noticed when I was looking at his overall resume once he's become a part of something he sort of sticks through it like all the way to the end like for example like child's play and Chucky Started off with the first one, and he's all the way into the TV series now, and he didn't miss a beat on any of them. So he's that kind of guy, which is kind of good, you know, legacy guy, right? Uh, As for Neil Cuthbert, he only had seven writing credits, um, but included in that small resume is The Return of Swamp Thing, nice, and Mystery Men, which I know is a big hit with a lot of people. Not necessarily me, but I know it's, it's one that gets a lot of love. And then there's Mick. Mick Garris, producer, writer, director. Also linked to a, quite a few horror titles. Um, he's probably the one where the, the horror element of Hocus Pocus comes from. Because uh, he's been attached to movies like Critters 2. Great horror comedy. Uh, the Fly 2, which it's not The Fly, but still not bad. A couple Stephen King movies uh, like Riding the Bullet and Sleepwalkers. He also had a movie that was at one point exclusive on Shudder. It was uh, Nightmare Cinema. Which I think I have the DVD for that somewhere. I think I do. Pretty sure I do. <laughs> Sometimes I lose track of all the movies I have. It's like, what was it the other day? I was going through some old VHS tapes. I found like four I forgot I even owned. I was like, oh, cool. I have something to watch this weekend. <laughs> um... You can also see Mick. Uh, he's been on a couple uh, like different like documentary series. Like he was on Eli Roth's History of Horror uh, in several episodes for that. Um, he's also on Shudder's 101 Scariest Horror Movie Moments, and he has his own podcast show, Postmortem with Mick Garris. And I swear on my life, I did not come up with the idea for Postmortem Paul because of his show. I found out about his show after I started that, and I was like. Oh. Even though the show's been around, I think, since, like, 2009, I had no clue about it. (laughs) And I started the character Postmortem Paul and then found out, oh, 
Mick Garris has a show called Postmortem. Whoops. But whatever, I'm keeping the nickname because I kind of, not going to lie, I've kind of gotten attached to the whole Postmortem Paul thing. I think it's just because it rolls off the tongue so nicely, but and I don't know, maybe it's because I smell like Postmortem. I don't know. Cinematography for this movie was by Hiro Narita, and he worked on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Rocketeer, Star Trek, um, The Undiscovered Country. He also did The Arrival, James and the Giant Peach, and The Time Machine. Uh, Music. Let's talk about the music very quickly. But, okay, so here's the thing, right? Okay, so the music's done by John Debney. 222 composing credits. A lot of animated work, a lot of Disney work. But there is one title that came up in his resume that I was like, I am not letting that go under the radar. There is a title in this man's resume that comes from 1997 that was just like, I'm focusing on this. We are talking about the TV movie for the Justice League of America. Have you seen this thing? Hopefully you haven't, but (laughs) I watched the bad movies, so you don't have to. But no, seriously, this thing is like exquisite cinematic trash. And I want you to keep this in mind. This is the Justice League of America TV movie in which the Crypt Keeper, John Kassir, is playing Ray Palmer, also known as the Atom, if you know your DC characters. But yes, John Kassir, the Crypt Keeper, is playing Ray Palmer in this thing. It's, it's, like I said, it's a piece of cinematic trash that, I will be honest, depending on your day, can either be a thing that you will lap your ass off at... Or you are going to cringe in horrible disgust. Like, it's it's not good. <laughs> I will just say that. The movie is not good. But John did the score for that. And I was like, that is not going unmentioned. I don't know. And maybe I've even hit on that movie before and just didn't realize it. I don't know. I, 134 episodes plus a few specials. I don't know. I lose track sometimes. But <laughs> I saw that mentioned. And I'm like... Okay, I don't even care about the other 221, which I should, but it's like I'm focusing on this piece right here. If if you can, in some way or another, I think it's on YouTube, actually. If not, if you can find a way to watch this thing, if you get past the first five to ten minutes, give yourself a pat on the back because it is hard to watch. But it's, like I said, it's probably one of those movies that's like great for like sitting around with a bunch of guys or a bunch of girls or whatever, you know, um, having a few drinks, a few smokes, whatever, and just take some edibles and lap your ass off. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that. Um, okay, starring cast. Starring cast. We've got some big names here. And, yeah. Starring cast. Big names. Did the movie live up, though? to those big names more on that later anyways let's start off with bet midler as winnie sanderson or winifred i think is what the real actual full name is but she's winnie uh she's like the smart one of the sisters i actually do like some of the movies she's been in i, I i'm not a huge fan of bet midler her like her her overall resume there i'm going through it i'm like me I don't like a lot of these movies, but there are some that did stand out that I actually do. Um, like Ruthless People, great movie. Outrageous Fortune, great movie. 
Um, she was recently the voice of Grandma Adams in the two animated movies, Adams Family and Adams Family Two. So, and I didn't hate her in that. I mean, she's Grandma Ma. Like, uh, you can't go wrong. Um, she's also had hits like The Rose and Beaches. Beaches is sort of the butt end of a joke of mine that I've always cracked because whenever people would ask me what's the scariest movie I ever saw, I would say Beaches. I have actually seen the movie Beaches. Um, <laughs> I was a lot younger back then, and um, it was a movie my mom liked, actually. And I remember she was like, oh, you want to watch Beaches with me? And I mean, when you're younger, you just want to spend time with your parents. I know it's kind of weird. Sometimes we do actually like our parents. But um, <laughs> anyways... It's also a thing that as you get older, you, you you value that time with your parents. So it's kind of weird. But I remember she was like, you want to watch it? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Not my kind of movie. Um, but I remember like at the time, like when it came out, like I remember there was, what's the song? The Wind Beneath My Wings or whatever. It was big on the radio and everybody knew it. And I was like, wow, it, it was a famous movie. It was, it's got to be good. It's not my kind of movie. But... The thing is, is that's, you know, that was Bette Miller. She, she, you know, she made a career off those kinds of movies and whatnot. The Rose is another one just like that. So not my kind of films that she's in. So it's, it's not necessarily that I don't like her and like individually or anything like that. It's just a lot of the movies she's in are not the kind that I would watch. Say why. Well, and you know, here's the interesting Thing. So the next person I'm about to talk about was actually in movies that I didn't even realize at the time I actually liked. And some of them still do. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker as Sarah Sanderson. She's, I will complain about this more later, but she's the one that apparently is the dim-witted one. Um, I, like I said, I will complain about this in a little bit. <laughs> There's, I have a rant. Okay. But anyway, she's also the younger witch sister. She's the attractive one for most guys and obviously some women too. I've seen where like the, the Sarah witch is the one that everyone's like, Ooh, she's hot. Yeah. Okay. But aside from that, she was in movies like Footloose and I totally forgot all about that. Footloose is a weird movie for me. I don't hate it. I don't love it either, but it's like one of those that if it's on, I, I will watch it. John Lithgow's in it, right? So you can't go wrong there. Um, she was in Flight of the Navigator, which was a movie from my childhood that I remember. And I was like, oh, shit, she was in that? Awesome. Um, Ed Wood. Tim Burton flick. Ed Wood. I was like, wait, what? She was also in Mars Attacks. I was like, God, I forgot about that. So I was like, there's that movie. And then she was in the movie Extreme Measures, which is another good one. I was like... Wow, I didn't realize I actually like movies she was in. Because then there's what everyone knows her from. And I was not a fan. I know this TV show had a huge following, but it was not meant for me. Sex in the City, yes, she's Carrie Bradshaw. And, I mean, there's all the films. There's, what, three films, I think? I really don't know the stats on this, so I could be wrong. I think there's three films. There was a follow-up series that she also played Carrie Bradshaw in. Um, and then, of course, the TV series that was apparently huge. Again, not something that I was into, but a lot of people really... Lo- I, I, I've had a lot of friends that watch Sex and the City, and they loved it, and they loved her. And it's like, all right, well, it, it, I need to mention it. I mean, the thing is, is that Sarah Jessica Parker... Even if you didn't watch the show, 
you know that's where she's from. You know that that's where she's most well-known from. So it's one of those things where, like, her, like, her reputation sort of precedes the show. Because, like, not everyone watched it, but they still know that she was in it. Um, moving on to the third Sanderson sister. I hope I say her last name right, because I've never heard it pronounced, so I don't know if I'm saying it right. But Kathy Najimy. I really hope I'm saying the last name right. Um, she's like the the middle one. She uh, she can smell children. Apparently, there's even this crack that I've heard on Cinema Sins in different like areas and stuff where they're like Marilyn Manson named his album "Smells Like Children" after her. And I was like, I think that was more of a Willy Wonka thing with that album. But <laughs> okay, maybe he did get it from there. Who knows? Uh, she's famously known from Sister Act and Sister Act Two. But she was in a few titles that I knew her from. This crowd might know her from uh, Bride of Chucky. She was in that, and she was in Wally, which, as I specifically spoke about, what two episodes ago, when I said that's like my favorite Pixar movie. It was either last episode or the episode before, and I said it's my favorite Pixar film. She plays Mary in that, so I was like, "Oh, well, you you get points for that." Um, She's also been in a horror podcast series from 2021 known as The 13 Days of Halloween. Uh, apparently that was really successful. And obviously, as with the other two, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and Bette Midler, all three of these ladies were in Hocus Pocus 2. No, I didn't watch it. <laughs> we'll stop there. Uh, moving on to Omri Katz as Max, Max Dennison. Um, he is the virgin I don't know how many times they mentioned that in this movie. I'm like, was there something like, I know there was, I grew up in the nineties, but we had to point out that the boy was the virgin and we had to basically ridicule him for it. It's like, why the kids, a teenager in here, like if he hasn't had sex, why is this a thing? But nineties, that's all I will say. Anyways, uh, his biggest acting gig and my God, he was in well over 100 episodes of the show Dallas. Uh, from 1983 to 1991, he was on that show, played John Ross Ewing, not to be confused with J.R., who was played by Larry Hagman. Um, and then he followed that up with Erie, Indiana, played the character of Marshall Teller. Uh, he was also in the movie Matinee with John Goodman, uh, the movie where... Um, Oh, geez, it's been years since I saw the movie. But if I remember correctly, it's like that there's they, they curate like the real like low brow, low, the, the kitsch cinema, as they call it, uh, horror flicks and whatnot. And it's it, it runs a theater and stuff. It's it, like I said, it's been a long time since I saw that movie, but I did see the title. I was like, I've seen that. Um, most of the 2000s, though, for Omri, he hasn't really done much work. I think he did like he did a, a return episode for Dallas or something like that. It was something about JR's return or something like that. And he did one follow-up as Marshall Teller for an eerie Indiana special or something like that. But other than that, like in the 2000s, he really didn't do a whole lot. He basically took a break from acting and last noted um, he's apparently residing in Israel. So I guess he just was like, I'm done with acting. You know, I did my thing and that's that. Uh, maybe this movie had something to do with it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Thora Birch. 
as Danny Dennison or Danielle Dan Dan the Dennison. Try saying this like when I was reading the credits and it's like Danielle Danny Dennison and I'm like say that three times fast. Yeah, not happening. Um, anyway, she's supposed to be like uh, Max's eight year old sister. She loves Halloween. Note: She was recently on The Walking Dead. So, in terms of how I. I'm going to do this on the scales like walking dead's a lot higher than hocus pocus. So I'm like, all right, you get points. Um, she's had a decent career though. Honestly, she really, all of these actors really have maybe with the exception of, uh, Omri, but his came before hocus pocus where a lot of these, it was after, um, because I mean, Thora was in movies like Patriot games, clear and present danger, uh, now and then, which starred Christina Ricci and Devin Sawa, Devin Sawa, who's on the Chucky series now. You notice I keep going back to Chucky. I have a real thing with that show lately. It's really been a lot of fun this year. Um, she was also in American Beauty, Ghost World. I think Ghost World is where I actually first heard of her. Um, I remember seeing that, and she was in a movie, Kindred Spirits. But going back to Ghost World, uh, my a friend of mine had gotten the movie on dvd and i had never heard of it but then she was like i think you might like it if you you know cause she knew like i sort of kind of like certain movies like that and whatnot anyways lent it to me and that's where i first discovered thora uh birch from never realized she was on hocus pocus because like i said didn't appeal to me um Okay, I got a few left, and then we're going to be moving on to the actual review. Uh, Vanessa Shaw as Allison. She plays Max's love interest, whatever. Uh, she's been in movies like Eyes Wide Shut, The Hills Have Eyes remake. She was in that. Uh, she was in 310 to Yuma, and a movie Come Out and Play from 2012. But yeah, Hills Have Eyes remake. That's one of those remakes that's actually pretty damn good. Might have to, you know... I, Give a little recommendation there. Larry Bagby as Ice. Yeah, he's, he's like, remember, in the, if, if, if you've seen this movie, uh, he keeps saying, my name's not Ernie, it's Ice. Yeah, uh, he's mainly a TV actor, actually. But if you recognize his face, see, and this was the thing, like, I'm watching this movie and I'm like, where do I know that face from? He was in the movie Walk the Line, the movie about Johnny Cash and June Carter, if you've seen that. But if you haven't, and you're familiar with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series, he played Larry on there. He was, um, he was I think he was like the football jock. He was one of, anyways, um, he was in that. In several episodes too, something like twelve or thirteen episodes on the show. That's where when I was looking like up his IMDb and whatnot, I'm like, oh, that's why I recognize his face because he was on Buffy. And then his best friend in this, uh, Jay, is played by Tobias Jelinek. Um. Well, okay, so he's done a lot of TV work including some good comic book series shows like Arrow and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he was also in Stranger Things. And then he was one of the motorcycle gang members in Batman and Robin. Schumacher. We'll move on. Next up, Doug Jones as Billy Butcherson. Okay, so here's my thing about Hocus Pocus. And I knew, I found this out several years ago, that Doug was in this movie. I'm like, I love Doug. We love Doug. Who doesn't love Doug? Classic actor. He's done so many roles and so many of them where he hasn't said a word. And we're like, we still love you. <laughs> you know? 
Um, he was in Batman Returns. He was in Mimic. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm coming back to this again because he was in probably one of my all-time favorite episodes, Hush. This was the silent episode where like everybody lost their voice and there was the gentleman. Doug was the lead gentleman. That's awesome. Like, and, and I remember this. And I remember learning this. Like, well, I when did I find that out? That he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think it was when Hellboy came out. Who he's Abe Sapien in that, by the way. Um, but yeah, I remember when Hellboy came out. And then that's when I started to notice the name, like, a lot more. Doug Jones and whatnot. And I remember I found out he was the lead gentleman in Buffy. And I was like, oh, that is so awesome. Because uh, that is a creepy character. Buffy did not creep me out very often, but when it did, it did it well. And the gentleman was one of the most creepiest things I ever saw on TV and actually creeped me out. Kudos. Um, he was also in the time machine. He was in Pan's Labyrinth. John dies at the end. Crimson Peak. The Terror of Hollow's Eve, which is not. Okay, if you go on Tubi, that movie's on there for free. The poster looks kind of cool but kind of cheap don't be fooled the movie's actually not that bad it's not great but it's not bad uh he was in the shape of water where we found out that women like to have sex with amphibious creatures what we do in the shadows he's been on the tv series and he will be count orlock in an upcoming nosferatu nosferatu film not the one that's being done by Robert Eggers, though. That, well, rumored, because try finding actual real confirmation on this thing. I mean, like, I've heard this rumor for the last five, six years. But anyways, um, the one that Doug is going to be in is from director David Lee Fisher. It's not the the one that's being talked about a lot lately. So, But I have seen what he looks like as Orlock, and very nice. I will finally also say that Jason Marsden does the voice of Thackeray Binks, who's the black cat in this movie. Um, he's a very well-known voice actor who's done many DC, Marvel, and Disney productions. I, when I heard the name right away, I was like, I know that name. And I mean, his resume is long. Voice actors tend to have long resumes, so it is what it is. Runtime for the movie is an hour and 36 minutes long. Rated PG for some scary scenes and language. The budget was $28 million. The box office gross was $45.4 mil. So I guess, yes, the movie did okay. After moving... Oh, synopsis, sorry. <laughs> it's just a synopsis. Uh, after moving to Salem, Massachusetts, teenager Max Dennison explores an, aband an abandoned house with his sister Danny and their new friend Allison. After dismissing a story Allison tells as superstitious, Max accidentally frees a coven of evil witches who used to live in the house. Now, with the help of a magical cat, the kids must steal the witch's book of spells to stop them from becoming immortal. For this segment of the show, I'm calling this I Knew I Should Have Gone With the Witch from 1990 instead. Honestly. <laughs> So anyways, a little bit of a background story on this movie. And there's not not a whole lot. There's not a, you know, it wasn't huge controversies or, you know, prolonged production periods or anything like that. Anyways, this was originally entitled Disney's Halloween House. That was even it was meant to be a darker film, which, like I said, watching this, I was like, it was pretty dark. I wasn't expecting this. Um, anyways, 
thing about the original, like the original screenplay and whatnot, the kids were all supposed to be a lot younger. Uh, I think they said they wanted them like to be between like 10 and 12 years old or something like that. Uh, various rewrites did have to occur in order to make the movie more comedic and less dark. So originally the original idea was not comedic. Uh, it was pretty much straightforward, dark film, sort of like, um, sometime, uh, something wicked this way comes where it's very dark and there's very little levity in it. That was what the original film was supposed to be like. And then of course, within the rewrites, we made the blonde a dit more on that in a bit kind of cool though leo dicaprio oh leo everyone loves leonardo well he was originally supposed to be max for this film makes me wonder if this movie would have been any better or worse but he declined to do it so he could film the movie what's eating gilbert grape which is considered a huge hit so i guess that was a smart decision on his part because critics really didn't like this movie uh, so anyways, Mick Garris, David Kirshner, they pitched this idea to Steven Spielberg. Even though Disney was already backing the film, they thought, hey, let's get Steven Spielberg involved. Now here, hey, it's bringing Steven. This might've been a different movie altogether. But anyways, Spielberg at the time was heading up Amblin, Amblin Entertainment. So his view of Disney, competitor. Whoa, we don't work with the competitors. We don't, we don't do that. This is sort of like the whole Sony and Marvel thing that went on for years over Spider-Man. Well, anyways, Steven Spielberg, he refused to co-produce. He said, nope, can't do it because Disney's already got their hands on this thing and I'm not touching it. I will be honest. I really would have loved to have seen if Steven Spielberg had gotten his hands on this. Would this have been the same movie? And, okay, so in terms of the filming... Uh, I, I know it only, what was it, nine months of filming, I think, is what it took or something like that. Anyways, the story takes place in Salem, Massachusetts, which is an actual city they could have filmed in. And instead, they filmed most of this movie on sound stages in Burbank, California. What? Anyways, some of the daytime shots were filmed in Salem. But I'm like, why wouldn't you just go to Salem and use the city as, like, you know, your backdrop? You don't even have to put any work into this in Salem, like especially it. Well, I mean, I guess it depended on when they were filming, but because it, but no, because they started filming in September, if I remember reading that right, of ninety two, was it? I think. So, if they're filming in September of ninety two, it's near Halloween. Salem would already be decorated up. You wouldn't even have to try it with a safe cost. Anyways, whatever. <laughs> this film was filmed in Burbank, California, most of it anyways. Um, and I did mention about the, the, the critics and whatnot because critically this movie did not do well. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit, but I mean, like, when I'm, when I'm thinking about the, especially the whole idea that they, if they filmed this in California, when you have Salem, Massachusetts, you could have used, it might have helped. Leo DiCaprio, Steven Spielberg. These are things that when I'm finding out that these did not happen, I'm like, this movie might have been a lot different if all that had, you know, happened, for lack of better terms. Anyways, the thing is, is I, I'm reading about this, and I'm reading about the critics, and I'm reading all this stuff, and I'm asking myself while I'm doing this, not to mention over the years I've asked myself this question, what is it with this movie? 
Why the obsession? Why do people, every Halloween, what is it? Uh, Freeform have their 31 days of Halloween. And I swear Hocus Pocus gets played more than any movie on that channel. Not that I ever watch it, but I do see their schedule every year. And I'm like, oh, what did they throw on there this year? And Hocus Pocus gets like aired probably 20 out of 31 days. It's like, wow, what is the obsession with this film? Well, let's move on to the quick eight. Let's talk about the quick eight. Let's move on to what I took from this film because now I've watched it. Now I've seen the full film in all its entirety. I think I felt sick many times. I thought I was going to faint, puke. It wasn't Terrifier 2, man. It was Hocus Pocus. Anyways, okay. So, the quick ache. Number one. What did I take from this film? Oh, I took the dark themes from this film. So, I mean, because honestly, this movie is not afraid to bring up taboo things like public executions by hanging. Like, Wow, like we're we're starting this movie off, and first off, you've got the witches. They're like sucking the life forces out of kids. I'm like, all right, that's dark. How many times do I hear people complain about horror movies when they kill a kid, and everyone's like, they shouldn't have done that. Hocus pocus, anyone? I mean, I don't think the little girl died. At least I don't think so. I don't know. I'm not going to lie. There were times that I probably didn't catch things in this movie. I should have because it was like, I can't believe I'm watching this movie. Um, but anyways, the public execution by hanging thing. And I mean, of course, yeah, you got the three witches laughing and Oh, well come back. Yeah. A typical horror movie thing. But I'm like, wow, that went dark really fast. And then I'm watching this movie and it's progressing through and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this movie, I think honestly, with the way it started, would have been better received if the humor wasn't so in your face. Subtle humor might have worked. I mean, there's some subtle humor in this. I mean, obviously, as I'll note with point number two, there's humor for adults, there's humor for kids, but... It just seemed like it was like really trying. That's the thing. This movie almost felt like it was trying too hard to be funny. But maybe that's part of the appeal to people. Like you got to keep in mind when I watch this movie, I was trying to also watch it through the eyes of why does everyone love this? It wasn't even just me just sitting back and relaxing and watching a movie going, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this. It was also the question going through my head. What is the attraction, right? Point number two, it's definitely a Halloween film. Now that I could see, like, I love a good Halloween film. It's like same with like Christmas and, you know, so many horror, I shouldn't say this because it's, it's more a stereotype thing uh, than anything else that people believe that like horror movie fans can't love Christmas and stuff like that. And like people that live Halloween 360, 365 a year, whatever, you know, oh, well, we don't like Christmas. Actually, some of us really do. Uh, we just like different aspects of Christmas that you might not like. I like my killer Santa Clauses. I like celebrating the winter solstice, like which is what Christmas was originally. Um, so, and getting back to this film, this is a Halloween film. So, people that like to celebrate Halloween and like to go all into it, I can understand that being what pulls them in, and it is also one that you can share with your kids. You know, and that's I've seen that a lot this year over Rob Zombie's Monsters movie where 
a lot of parents are saying, at least I can share this one with my kids. I might not like it that much, but my kids I know will, you know, or vice versa. Some kids don't like it, and the adults are like, it was good, dude. Um, so, I mean, it has that appeal. It's it, it it's geared more to a younger audience, but there's some adult humor. Um, yeah. Does the adult humor work? I don't know, but let's stay on the positive. Point number three, the score by John Dabney. Lighthearted and fun, spooky at times. As I'm listening to it, it felt like it could accompany like an episode of Goosebumps. That's not a bad thing. Like, I mean, which actually brings me to point four. This does feel like an extended episode of Goosebumps or The Haunting Hour or, you know, even Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, and that's where I started to understand. I, I, I think when I started to approach it that way, I started to understand what the appeal is to Hocus Pocus. Because for me, Goosebumps is a nostalgic thing. It's something I remember watching in my teenage years and my early 20s that when it was on YTV in Canada, I was like, I'll watch it. It's horror. I mean, it's not really scary, but hey, we got a talking dummy. That's kind of creepy. You know, we got mummies and haunted houses and stuff. All right, I'll watch it. But I can also admit when I talk about Goosebumps and I talk about, you know, a lot of those kid geared shows and whatnot, the acting was not always great. Um, and it's a nostalgic thing, which I started to realize about this. Um, now, I mean, in terms of the acting for this movie, same sort of applies. I mean, okay, so here's the thing. Bette Midler is acting her chops off. She's definitely having a blast doing it. And I do know that I've read several reports where she did go on the record as saying Hocus Pocus was her favorite movie to ever do. I can understand that. She must have been handing it up and then some and just having a freaking blast with it. Not everyone else hits that mark, though. I mean... I, I don't want to say that they weren't having fun with it, but some of the acting is not that good. Like, I'll be honest with you, and maybe it's just me, but the character of Max did not work for me in this movie. I did not care for him. I did not like his acting. But that's me. And I do know that he had a very successful career prior to this, you know, on different TV shows and whatnot, and was a kid favorite. So, again, I'm an adult watching this movie, so I'm looking at it through different eyes. Which also brings me to point number five. Now I talk about the nostalgic factor. This is very much a 90s movie. Definitely dated. You can tell by the hairstyles, the fashions, and whatnot. This is a 90s movie. And no internet. Which is possibly a good thing, actually. <laughs> no social media. Hey, I'm okay with this. But no, um, it's definitely a 90s movie. And that's where I start to understand why people love this movie. I'm thinking a lot of the fan base grew up with this movie because here's my thing. I'm watching it as an adult trying to watch it now. And I don't have that childhood connection to this. Now I said, like I said, when I started to think of it as a goosebumps episode, it was like, Oh, well, a goosebumps. I mean, like I I've watched several of the episodes this past month and they're not good. <laughs> they really aren't, but I loved them because I, remember watching them in my younger days. Well, it's the same as this, I think. And I, I'm starting to understand why people are so, why they gravitate to this thing so much. Because for me watching it, it just wasn't working. 
but I don't have that child connection. Now, one thing I will say, point number six, here is where the movie gets two points. In a way. Because at the same time, I was like rolling my eyes, but laughing because it was like, okay, that was kind of cool. The discount Necronomicon, <laughs> the spell book with a moving eye. Hmm. I have to admit that was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. The book was kind of cool. Um, a spell book. Okay, fine. You know, Sanderson sisters, they have it protected. They, they need the book back to become immortal and all this other stuff. Okay. But I looked at it as, I was like, okay, that's a nice nod to like Evil Dead and HP Lovecraft, you know, doing its own thing as well. Like, you know, the, the eye was kind of cool. It's like, why do I like this? <laughs> it was weird. I'm watching this movie and I see the book and I'm like, I, I kind of like that. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I will also mention uh, just because Hellraiser 2022 just recently came out. I did like the nice nod to Hellraiser in this movie. For those of you who have caught it, which many of you probably have the skateboard. That's a pinhead skateboard. I was like, okay, movie gets points for that. I hate saying that because I was really feeling faint. I was going to take a picture of myself fainted out underneath the poster of Hocus Pocus. You know, hey, great marketing, right? It seems to be working this year. Um, but anyways, yeah. Okay. So my final two points are not that nice. But I have my reasons for why I say this. Okay. Number seven. Sort of like. Okay, the acting in this movie, not great, but some of it you can tell people were having fun. I think somebody was having fun, but I wonder why they were. And that's Sarah Jessica Parker. Because why is Sarah a ditzy blonde? This bothered me, okay? And I understand it's the 90s. I mean, I even get it. Like, Married with Children made a living off that kind of humor. Kelly Bundy was the dumb blonde. But the thing is, is again, dated... 90s i'm watching it 2022 not having this connection to this movie maybe this is why it's bothering me i hated that every time sarah's character talked she sounded like a ditch she talked stupid and i'm like sarah i'm not a big fan of sarah jessica parker but she's a better actress than this and it was like oh, why but then like I said, learning the things about this movie, knowing that it was originally supposed to be a dark film that they threw the humor in. It's like the humor now really feels like it was just thrown in. It doesn't feel like anyone tried. And I was like, oh, maybe that explains everything. And I do know because I grew up in the 90s. I grew up in the late 80s as well. Dumb blondes were the big thing. Having blonde jokes was the big thing. Everybody knew that blonde joke. Everybody knew and I. We look back on it now with, you know, these new tinted eyes that we have where it's like everything's a hashtag and a, an agenda and whatnot. But it's like, to be quite honest, I've known many blondes that made me look dumb. So <laughs> the whole dumb blonde thing really doesn't work. And I guess that's why, like, like I said, watching this as an adult, I'm like, it's not working for me. And that brings me to point number eight. Maybe the humor hits, you know, with people that are into slapstick humor. For me, the humor is very cringeworthy. I'm, I'm not that guy. 
you know, I'll, there's some people out there that love like the three stooges and stuff like that. And it's not that I have a problem with it, but I can only take it in small doses. This movie was like a witch movie with three stooges humor. And I think that's why for me, this movie doesn't stick the landing. I get what it's trying to do. And I understand it's also a kid's movie. So, I mean, I have to keep my, my mentality on this straight when I'm approaching this, but it's like, is this a movie I'm going to return to? Probably not. And many critics seem to share that same sentiment with me, which really made me sad <laughs> because I hate being on par with many critics because most critics are pretentious jerks. And I don't want to be that guy. But I mean, this is probably the one and only time even Siskel and Ebert were saying stuff that I was feeling when they were like, the story is kind of lackluster and also the unnecessary hysterical shrieking constantly and stuff. There were very irritating aspects about this movie. But I do understand the nostalgia effect. And I think, and not to mention, it's kind of the point I've been hammering pretty much all month doesn't matter what I think or what someone else thinks. It matters what you think, how the movie makes you feel. And I get it that if there are people that they watch this movie and they have fun with it and they feel happy, then why shouldn't they? Rotten Tomatoes sees this at 30% rotten, whatever. Metacritic, 43 out of 100. Okay. IMDb, <laughs> this is kind of funny, 6.9 out of 10, which is not bad, with 7 and 10 being the two highest ratings. I'm like, okay, people love this movie. Like, as for the podcast zero rating, it, it goes like this. Like, I didn't grow up with this movie, okay? It wasn't one that appealed to me, not in the 90s, not now. I know I wasn't the target audience either. And I'm okay with that because not everything has to be geared for what I want to enjoy. I watched this because I was curious. I watched this because... I know so many people that love this movie and that alone got me curious. I was like, I gotta know. It's the same reason why I watched Terrifier 2. Everybody's saying they were puking and fainting. I'm like, okay, I gotta know. Now, I didn't. I love Terrifier 2. I think it's a great movie. But <laughs> it's like, it's that curiosity factor, right? And I think that's sometimes why a movie like this would draw people to watch it is the curiosity factor. I wouldn't generally pick this movie to watch. I can say, though, it does have a few sparks to it. There's a few moments where I did not mind this movie. I kind of tried to highlight more of that than the negative. Um, you know, the nods to, like, Evil Dead and HP Lovecraft and Hellraiser and stuff. It was like, okay, like, I give you points for that. I mean, Mick Garris is behind the, this movie as well. You know there's some of that that came with it. It's the guy who did Critters 2, which is probably one of the few times the sequel is almost better than the original. Um, so he's not, Mick's not an idiot. He knows how to make a movie. It's just for me, it doesn't quite stick the landing. I will also say the score, you guys know, I love a good music score. The music score is quite delightful. I'm not going to take away from that. The intent to make a fun movie was definitely there. You can see it in the acting performances and whatnot. I will say that probably my biggest criticism is the lack of creative writing for Sarah's character. 
I get the charm. I get the 90s humor and stuff like that. But I really wish they would have done something different with Sarah's character because... And even... Now that I even think about it, even Kathy's character, you know, the middle witch, it it made her like a dog. And that sort of bothered me, the whole bit with her barking all the time and that she can smell out kids. And I'm like, okay, so if you're not smart, you're a dumb blonde or you're an ugly dog. When you really are looking at the themes but i get it they're supposed to be evil too so i guess we're saying that evil people are these things i don't know maybe i'm thinking too hard on it which is probably what i'm doing it's definitely not the worst thing i've ever seen but this is probably the last time i'll ever watch this movie because for me when i want to watch a movie with witchcraft i like the craft i like spellbinder suspiria uh the witches from 1990 which i should have gone with (laughs) hellbender hereditary the witch and so on and so forth those kinds of witchcraft movies i like those those more appeal to what I like. Not so much this. I could be generous though. I'm not going to completely knock this movie because it did have a few redeeming points to it. It's five boiling cauldrons out of ten. I'll say that. It's a five out of ten. It's a... Keep in mind, I'm not the target audience. I wasn't the guy they made this movie for, so I got what I got out of it. On that note, thanks for listening. It's, it's over, kids. No more Hocus Pocus talk. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it. I'm not going to lie. There was a couple times watching this movie. I was just like talking to myself. Well, I had a sleeping dog next to me. My dog was snoring while I was watching this movie. And I just kept looking at him. I'm like, buddy, why, am I, why did I do this? <laughs> why? What was I thinking? But I mean... It makes for good talk. It makes for good conversation. And uh, conversation, I'm the only one talking. But the thing is, is that I I do understand the charm behind this movie. Now, Now, if I hear people say, oh, I love Hocus Pocus, I'm not sitting there scratching my head going, what's the attraction? I do get it. It's nostalgia is part of it. I don't want to say it's the only part of it, but it's part of it. It, it, It's it's a movie. And it's got a Halloween touch to it. And it's about witches and, and kids and you know parents can watch it with their kids and they don't have to worry about like oh my god are they gonna you know rip someone's heart out or something like that no they're they might suck their life force out and you know hang a few witches in public setting but apparently that's okay we're all right with hanging people you know in public settings that's that's fine that's okay kids won't have nightmares from that (laughs) but i don't know five out of ten that's where i stand on this movie and that's it gateway to halloween event is officially over happy halloween everyone i'll be celebrating halloween the day after as well for the next 364 days till the next one but i mean it is what it is (laughs) but hey like thanks for enjoying the shows hopefully and thanks for tuning in it's been a lot of fun doing this i know the episodes have been a little bit longer than normal also and i appreciate that i haven't had any complaints about that you know i didn't make a four-hour movie okay so i don't want to hear about it but um (laughs) it just i i know when i've been putting the shows together these past couple weeks i'm like this is a bit longer than i like normally doing but it is what it is thank you for tuning in break next week by the way i the the show will not be back next week it'll be back the week after um but i will be taking a bit of a break starting off november 
just you know it is what it is but following week i will be back with another episode which will also be back to the normal format uh theme song at the beginning and i probably won't be so careful about my words i think i let one slip this episode so sorry about that but yeah you know where to find the show obviously you're listening to it so whatever platform you're using whether it be spotify apple google uh castbox which apparently is updating again so that's great castbox is back in podcast addict um there's podcast what is it podcast republic i think i saw the other day there's podbean there's a whole bunch of them there's like a lot i didn't even know we even existed and i'm like hmm, interesting um, and then on social media, obviously facebook.com, Instagram, Twitter, there's the email, what lurks behind podcast zero at gmail.com. Again, finally, thank you for tuning in. And like I said, at the beginning of this show, all, all those different accounts and whatnot that I gave nods to check them out. There's some great content out there. And these are from really good people that, you know, putting their heart and soul into stuff like this and doing it a lot better than me so <laughs> your 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 standards have been low for a long time it's time to raise them a little okay go to go to the guys that know what they're doing but anyways um thanks again and until we meet again oh look another glorious morning makes me sick